Thank you, Gary, and thank you for that ministry. It is very important. Now, if you do want to uh, make that donation, there'll be a basket on the table. Uh, you can just drop that in the basket on the way out to, uh, there at the top of the steps, and we appreciate that as well. All righty. Well, we continue, or I hope that we continue to hear about the revivals going on not only at Asbury. I'm, I'd be curious to see what's going to happen there as they're moving it off-site. Uh, be curious to see, but I, I do have some really good news about the revival from what I have been able to pick up from around here. It continues to spread. You're not going to hear this on the news anywhere. Uh, you're going to have to seek out this information for yourself because they're not going to cover this, okay? Uh, University of Cumberland, from what I understand, allowed Gatliff Chapel to be used uh, for the uh, students there to begin worship, uh, which I thought was a great thing. And then on the other end of the spectrum, and this is why we need to be praying, Union College in Barberville denied the students the use of any buildings on the campus. They wanted to worship. You know what they did? They went out in the street and worshiped. So these young people were not going to be stopped uh, in what they're doing. So I began to research after I found this. I thought, well, I wonder what other universities this is spread to uh, because all of a sudden, you know, it was in the news, now it's gone. Uh, well, here's some of the, the colleges. Texas A&M, we've all heard of this little school down in Texas, haven't we? Uh, so it's not just these little, small universities. How about a little school uh, named uh, LSU? Uh, is in revival. We've heard about them. Uh, Indiana Wesleyan, uh, Cedarville University, Samford University, and Lee University are the ones that I could, could research and find that revival among students is going on. It showed uh, one video uh, of the uh, at Texas A&M. They have a fountain there in the center of campus. They were baptizing students in this fountain because they had water there and and uh, they were in revival. People were accepting Christ. So continue, continue, continue to be in prayer for this revival that's going on as, that is sweeping our nation. We, we don't want, to, we may not realize it, uh, that it is. And, and for those, and it's uh, sad about Union College because they are United Methodist Affiliated College. And that would not allow students who are enrolled there to worship inside of their building. And that's just sad. So we need to keep them in our prayers, specifically the leadership there. And then I read this in caution to them, though I'm pretty sure they'll probably never see this, but also to us, Acts chapter 5, verse 38 and 39. Gamaliel's advice about Peter and John and, and where they had threatened them to not preach. He says this, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And that's what we need to remember. Uh, if this was some kind of showy thing uh, of men, it probably would have never made it through as long as it did at Asbury. But we see that it is spread, and it is spreading, continue to uh, our young people and older people. I don't want us to just get in the mindset that this is just something that's 
for college-age kids. It's where it started, no doubt. I believe the Lord is calling this generation back to him, and they're responding. But this is for all of us. All of us should seek out revival. That's what I've been preaching on the past couple of weeks, folks. And that's what I've been encouraging for the past couple of weeks, is that we be revived because we have seen tough and difficult times. Uh, we have just come out of some of the most difficult times that we can uh, imagine. Uh, most difficult since World War II. But I have never seen a move of God in my lifetime as what we're experiencing today. And the sad thing about this, I have never, I'm astounded by the silence of this move. That we feel like it's just a passing thing when it's the very thing that we've been praying for for two or three years. And then it comes to us and we think, well, that'll go away soon enough. We need revival, folks. If that's the spirit that we have within ourselves, we ourselves need revival. So I, I was thinking about those kids down there at Union and I was wondering how many were discouraged when they went to the whomever made the decision to not let them use a building. I wondered if any of them were discouraged and said, well, I wonder, should I even be a Christian? If this is, when we get no more support, this, this college is supposed to be based on a Christian uh, uh, college and, and we're wanting to worship God and they're saying you can't use our buildings. Did it discourage them? And maybe there's some people out there today that's discouraged about becoming a Christian. Because it's, uh, it's not popular to be a Christian, if you've not noticed in the United States. It's not popular to be people that follow God's word as truth, as Gary was, was talking about. This, this seed that, that is planted into people, the truth of God's word. It's not popular to do that because Satan is the king of this world. And we know that he's going to be doing everything possible that he can to keep people from accepting the gospel, from accepting the truth. So I wanted to answer a few questions this morning. Should I even be a Christian? The answer to that is yes. And here's why. Because and I'm going to go over five points real quick. Why we should be a Christian. And why it all begins with the word of God. The first thing is that sinners are unfit to meet God. Plain and simple. Sinners are unfit to meet God. Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bibles, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. The writer says this, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense or repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's one thing that we are missing in this nation today is a good healthy fear of falling into the judgmental hands of God. Because we have been told for, for several years that you're allowed to make up your own truth. You're allowed to make up what's right for you is okay to follow. And, and no one has a right to judge you. You should make yourself happy. And that's a lie of the devil, folks. It's a lie of the devil. There's one truth, and it's the truth that comes in this book. It's the truth of God's word. And it is a fearful thing for us to think about falling into the hands of judgment. Because we're going to meet him. We're going to stand before the Lord in judgment. Romans chapter 5, 12 says this. As one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We've all sinned. 
Oh no, back in 3.23 it says that, that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Doesn't say anything there. If, if I was allowed to make up my own righteousness, why would it say, why would the truth of God's word say that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Because I can't do that. I have to use God's word as my guide. We can't go to heaven in our sins. We have to be cleansed. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything into it anything that defileth whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life and there is only one way that we have our names written into the Lamb's book of life and that's accepting Christ as our Savior from hearing the word repenting and confessing Christ as such confessing our sins being baptized receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and also to have that forgiveness of sins and then continuing being a faithful servant or disciple until Christ returns or until we're called away and dead. That's how your name is placed into the Lamb's book of life. No other way. No other way the scripture says. Jesus says, no man cometh unto the Father except by me. And that's what we have to follow is Jesus' teachings. It doesn't matter if you had a good Christian mom or dad, which is important. Gary talked about the testament that he was raised by godly parents. Praise the Lord, I was too. But I made decisions that would not have reflected that <clears throat> up until I was 28 years old. It did not reflect that. But praise God, I was grounded in the truth. And I came to the truth. So we're unfit to stand before God as a sinner. And, but the good news is that God has provided salvation. John 3.16, probably the most popular verse uh, that we can, can think of, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it's not just belief, folks. It is not just belief that brings salvation. It says the devil believes that the uh, his... Uh, his demons believe, the scriptures tells us, and they tremble, but, but they don't have salvation. They believe. Belief is only beginning. We've got to have faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing of what? The word of God. And that's what we have to depend upon, is we have to go to that. God knew we were lost. God knew we needed salvation. And he loved us so very much that he provided that way of salvation. And it's through his son and the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the only thing, the only detergent that will work on our sin is the blood of Christ. No other thing. And that's represented when we're buried in the symbolism of his death and baptism. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul writing to the church elders there at Ephesus. We'll read what he says and listen to what he reminds them here in verse 28. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And that blood, of course, being the blood of Christ. We are a purchased possession. 
those of us in this room, those of us listening on Facebook now or YouTube later, we are purchased possessions of God through the blood of his son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He has provided salvation to us. And the good news is he provides that salvation now, right now as we speak. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Hell will be full of people that never intended to go to hell. That's a harsh statement, but it is a true statement. Because they never got around to accepting Jesus Christ. Either because they never heard it or they were never convinced that they needed Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, hearing it is part of the thing that Gary's ministry, the Gideons, do make sure that people have the scriptures. And that's part of our job as Christians is to witness that as well. But we need to pray for those that have heard it but yet still reject it. They reject the truth of what the gospel tells us because salvation is available to all and it is available immediately. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, one of the most comforting scriptures we will ever hear. Come unto me, he says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and burden is light. And we've, we've talked about and studied on that before. Don't we all desire an easy yoke, a light burden? We have to go through each day by day. The world does not work to make things easier for us, but God does. Jesus is there in difficulty, just like Gary was talking about that revival in Asbury started because one student, one young man or woman, I'm not sure which it was, was broken because their burden was so heavy. But yet, where did they go? They went to Jesus, whose burden is light. His yoke is easy. And I look out across this, and I think about the people that's watching. We have people in this very room right now that have a heavy yoke. Jesus is calling you today. He wants to give you a light yoke. His burden is light, folks. And he's calling you to accept that, and he's going to help you release that heavy burden. And it's available to us right now. Isaiah 1, 18, the opening words of the book of Isaiah that we, we take so much from, says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, Through, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Salvation from sin, salvation for eternity is offered today because life is uncertain. David, while being pursued by Saul with his friend, the son, Jonathan, makes this statement in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. He says this, 1 Samuel, let me get to my Bible here, 23. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes, 
And he hath said, Let now Jonathan not know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but one step between me and death. We don't think about that, do we? Not a one of us thought about the fact when we got up this morning to get ready to come to church that one step was between us and death. And I'm not trying to be depressing. But David recognized that. And with all of the things going on in this world today, all of the tensions that we see and we hear about the wars and the rumors of wars and the pestilence and the earthquakes and the severity of the storms that we see that happen, all the natural disasters that happen, just driving down the road, you take your life in your own hand today in the world that we live in. We have no certainty that there is but one step between the living and the dead. And if you cross over that margin without Christ as your Savior, you are lost eternally, condemned to hell. We don't like to think about those things. We don't like to think of it that way. But look in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus talked about how that we make our own plans, but God has different plans for us. Luke chapter 16, verse, or 12, verses 16 through 21. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou soul, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We think about that. We work, we work, we work, looking forward to retirement. We save, we have a 401ks, we have retirement plans, we have investments in, in the stock market and bonds and whatever kind of uh, vehicle that you want to use to increase your money and you have a lot of faith that you're not going to be just like this gentleman here that had a great harvest one year and needed to build a bigger barn to haul, hold all of the fruits that, and all of the crop that he had when God visited him the next day all of that was worthless for nothing and it was worthless because he didn't have a relationship with God wasn't nothing wrong with him having a big barn. Wasn't nothing wrong with him having a big crop. Wasn't nothing wrong with you having a good retirement plan. But when your retirement plan does not include an eternal retirement plan, it's worth nothing when you die. So you can have a good portfolio and still be lost because judgment awaits for anyone that rejects Christ. Back in Hebrews again, chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. What's in store for those who do not obey the gospel? Do we know? Paul addressed it to the church at Thessalonica. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, he says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Yes, there is a judgment that we will all face. Those that do not know Christ as their Savior, those whose name is not in the Lamb's book of life, those whose sins have not been washed by the blood of the Lamb, that is their fate that Paul describes there. And that is just the simple truth of the gospel. And that's what I stand before you to warn you about this morning. Is that if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no guarantee that you will make one more step in this life. And if you go into eternity without Christ as your Savior, you are damned to an eternity in hell separated from God and His love and His grace and His mercy. That's what the Bible says. And that's what we as Christians have to be able to relay to people that we know. Because we all have family members. We all have friends. We all have someone that we care about that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We need to encourage them. That if they're not a Christian, we need to encourage them to think on it. Like they've never thought about it before. We need to give them these five reasons here and let them examine those things and reason out in their mind what the other option that they have for eternity is. I've not found a plan B anywhere. I've not found an alternate to Jesus Christ. And you know why I've not found it? It's because it doesn't exist. And that's what we have to remember. The world will lie. The devil will lie to keep all of our family and our loved ones out of heaven, separated from us for eternity. And that's what we have to do. We have to shine a light. We have to walk in that light. Remember, at the very first of this sermon, we have to walk in the light. And if we walk in that light, then we can be that light to those that are in darkness. So I asked you, are you here this morning? Are you hungry for God the way that we have seen these revivals springing up across our nation's universities and from what I understand even into some high schools? Are you hungry for the truth of God? Are you hungry to release that heavy burden and to take on the burden that is light and the yoke that is easy through Jesus Christ? If you are that person today, let me encourage you to come. If you heard and you have believed, you're willing to repent of your sins and confess Christ as your Savior. If you're willing to be buried with him in baptism, raise that new creation, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of your sins, the forgiveness of that burden that has weighed you down, and you want to walk with him until he calls us or returns. Come today. Maybe you're a Christian and you realize that you've allowed the world and the weight of its burdens, the lies of Satan to influence you, and you need to come back into a right relationship with God. Come today as we sing. We're going to sing the hymn, Drifting Too Far From The Shore. Many of us have drifted too far from the shore, but the good thing about it is we're not too late. We have a breath left in us. As long as we have a breath, we can swim back to the shore, and Jesus is standing there waiting on you to come. Will you come as we stand and sing this first and the third verse of Drifting Too Far From The Shore, number 31. <laughs> 